Welcome to Intersectionality and the Diaspora. I'm Clara. And Melo. And we're two Centro Americanas navigating the traumas and triumphs of living in diaspora. We share our truths, experiences, and observations as LA Race Centro Americanas and invite you to join us in our conversations. So grab some cafecito or vinito and sit with us as we explore all the beautiful differences and similarities that make up our global community. Hello, and thank you again for joining us as we continue our discussion on anti-Blackness and La Cultura. We've spent a considerable amount of time reflecting on our last conversations and realized there's so much to unpack, more than we could possibly do in one sitting. And we've chosen to use this time to navigate these observations so we can understand our own implicit biases and work through the discomfort together. It's incredibly easy to internalize racism and anti-Blackness when all the information we receive externally, whether we recognize it or not, uh, conditions us to uphold white supremacy while oppressing Black, Indigenous, and people of color. European beauty standards have been deemed the most desirable, and as humans growing in this world, we continuously fight within ourselves, the media, and society to counter that narrative. But how do you do that when all you are is contrary to the beauty you see on TV or read about in storybooks or even the toys that you play make-believe with? How do you believe that you and all of your differences are so worthy of love and praise? As adults, it feels like it's much easier to speak to being confident and not caring what others think. But as a child navigating two or three different worlds and trying to fit in, where do you go? So today we're going to focus on the media and the messages that we received growing up that we feel strongly contributed to our internalized racism and implicit biases. So (laughs) that was a lot just to say. Um, So Mello, um, why don't we talk about some of the shows that we watched when growing up. Um, what are some ways that anti-Blackness crept up on you as a kid? Man. Um, I was getting teary-eyed when you were just talking. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Um, I remember watching, and I'm sure a lot of us watched this, is Carousel. <laughs> Mm-hmm. with Maestra with Jimena mm-hmm. um, that was one of the first um, examples of that anti-blackness that you know I witnessed um, so I was talking before like I grew up in South Central so I really didn't hear you know a lot of things coming from my parents mouths and stuff but um, that show was I, I don't know if you remember it was was a blonde-haired, you know, light-skinned girl, and there was uh, we just found out his name, Cirilo. You know, um, Afro-Latino, right? Um, he had this huge crush on that little girl, and she treated him so meanly, like she was horrible to him, and. 
I remember just feeling so bad about that, but it was kind of normalized in the novella, right? Mm-hmm. And then I remember, I think, like, the students, too, in the classroom treated him bad as well. So, uh, you know, I just found out today that they remade it years later with the same premise, right? Mm. Little white girl, white passing, and then, you know, CD Lo again. So it's like it's that they didn't learn from it, right? Right. Um, and then I was in, um, I guess I was like maybe in ninth grade. I was, you know, around like rebelde times. Um, they had this um, uh, novella called Lola Raza Una Vez, which is like, um, translate to like, once upon a time mm. right? um, and there was an episode it was like Aaron Diaz um, which by the way was the first um, uh, protagonist of a novella that was my skin complexion because the rest of them were light skinned mm. um, so I was like you know he looks like he reminds me of my husband as well too <laughs> so I, yeah, that was the first you know, dark-skinned um, lead male actor. But he um, was the protagonist of that story, Lola. She, I remember she was in a full-on blackface in one episode. Hmm. Now, looking at it, I'm like, whoa. But at the time, I was like, oh, because they, you know, she had that blackface on, had big lips and stuff, and I was like, well, this is early 2000s. How are you still doing this? That was, you know, that was a, like what I saw in my childhood. It sounds like a lot of what we see today. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it's, it's just so long. But then to have it in a kid's show, you know, like Carousel. well and I think it's also I mean anytime you turn on the TV I feel like these messages are going to come on like whether they're like really in your face and obvious or they're like really subtle Mm -hmm. Um, and so like yeah it's no surprise now when I think about novelas, especially like the ones that I grew up watching, which were also, and they probably are still this way. I don't know. I don't watch novellas anymore, but, um, neither. <laughs> you know, like not only was there a noticeable, um, you know, preference towards, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, mm-hmm. you know, lighter skinned women. Um, but there was also, a lot of hypersexualization of women, which is where you see a lot of the, um, like a lot of like the stereotypical attitudes towards Latinas, like how we are fiery and we're sexy and you know, whatever. A lot of that comes from that machismo culture that comes from, you know, seeing women as objects. <laughs> yeah, like I hate to say it, but Sofia Vergara's uh like character in Modern Family. Never seen that show before. 
Yeah, it's exactly what you're describing. And this is modern, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that also speaks to the the impact that that has on, you know, women of color, Latinas in particular, who are not, you know, white with blonde hair or blue eyes, like the women in the novelas, where we don't get to see ourselves, right? Yeah, and that's, you know, I remember, and even then, like, I remember, yeah, early 2000s, there was this novela with Aaron Diaz, I think it's called um, Corazones al Limite. Um, and like I said, he's like a darker skinned um, actor, but, you know, has green eyes. So the first time I saw a, you know, a woman like protagonist um, that was a little darker, she had green eyes. No, but they still kind of, you know, like, it's still not me there. Yeah. Right? And when I saw, um, it's in novelas, it's always lighter skin, green eyes, you know, a Mexican or whatever novela you're watching in Colombia and Nicaragua and Guatemala. Um, it's like, they're always lighter skin. And I never saw myself there. I don't think it was until I saw Jennifer Lopez and Selena that I was like, whoa, mm. that's me, right? Um, but, and even then, like, the darker-skinned um, characters, personajes, in the novelas always got treated so badly, right? They were either, like, quote-unquote, criadas or... Um, you know, like the maids, um, servidumbre, um, or maybe the, I was one novela that I remember watching and the rich lady, like she was, you know, like the evil um, character on the novela and her mom was a, a darker skinned lady and she was the um, maid of the household, and she would treat her like crap. And she was like the indigenous lady, and she just would like beat her up and all this stuff. Uh, and that was her mom. And she was embarrassed of her mom because she was indigenous or darker skinned. That's what I remember like feeding when I watched this novela. I don't remember what it was called, though. I know it was real, though, because I remember it, too. <laughs> yeah. I remember the scene. It was, uh, what's her name? She's she's a very famous um, actress. Is it Kate del Castillo? No, not Kate. That, you know what? She also, like, she, to me, she was, like, badass because she was my color, you know? <laughs> like, a little darker, right? <laughs> No, it wasn't Kate Garcia. It was like somebody else. She had short hair. Always a villain. Oh, is she the one from the memes? Yes, her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I remember like she, she, in and of itself is a problem, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, geez. But I 
and you know and then another like i would see that um and it was mainly novelas it was like our form of entertainment right mm-hmm. yeah and you know a couple of things that came up for me when you were sharing that um one there was a, a word that you use a servitude which really what you know the american equivalent of that would be like the mammy personality mm-hmm. you know? yes. and mm-hmm. so you see how closely connected um those two examples are like totally different timelines in totally different countries and yet it is the same toxic behavior yeah yeah and then i remember like a couple like of my friends they would talk about you know i we were talking about this like i didn't grow up like i would you know in the richest household i would say we would like oh i would say i was middle class um and i remember my friends talking about you know, in Mexico, about las muchachas, and I'd be like, las muchachas, what is that? Like, oh yeah, la muchacha. And it was always, you know, like the maid. Mm. Yeah, and they just kind of just treat them kind of like, oh. And then I would see them, and they'd be my color. Kind of just treat them like nothing, right? Mm. I was like, oh gosh, like, ugh. Um, and servidumbre would be like, we break it down like servid, to mm-hmm. serve, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I was thinking about like other things that I've watched. Like, yeah, like, um, my friend and I were talking about um, that, you know, colorism thing about like there was a shampoo that would make your hair lighter. <laughs> <laughs> My, yeah, my sister used to use it, it was called Sun In. Yeah, and so that was <laughs> called like Tracitos de Oro or something. And oh, it was a, a little boy with really curly brown hair and blue eyes. And then I, you know, I shared with you that my mom would give me like face creams that would be like white, like to widen my face. I don't know if she did it on purpose or if it was, you know, something that she learned. It's, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like you normalize it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where does it come from? Oh, well, we see that it's, you know, it's it's something not- that's been a part of us for much longer than we really realize. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch um, Shika? No, I don't think so. Oh my God, I love Shika. So, <laughs> Shika is a novella. It's a Brazilian novella. It is the first um, time that a Afro-Brazilian was the star of a novella. Um, and so she plays Chica, who is based on um, Chica da Silva from uh, Brazil, who is born a slave, enslaved, and you know somehow you know, meets this person of royalty who falls in love with her and then she, you know, she moves her way up. Like, she climbs up the social ladder through Mm -hmm. this relationship. And so, like, this novella is based on that relationship and, you know, it's the first time that there is a Black woman in a novella that is, like, you know, airing internationally (laughs) 
And, um, you know, of course she's absolutely beautiful and she has, you know, fair, she's not like, you know, she has like a lighter complexion. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just remember thinking like, this is the first time that I've ever seen a person that looks like me in a novella and she's a slave. She is enslaved. And the way that she succeeds in life is by marrying this wealthy white man who oppressed and, you know, destroyed her home and her family. Oh, geez. And like, when I think about it, I think about like the first time, like the real first time I ever saw myself, you know, was um, watching Pocahontas. So, yeah, oh, I, love, yeah. I love Disney movies. Love Disney movies. Cinderella is my favorite Disney movie of all time. Like I relate. Um, no. But Pocahontas was the first time I saw a, I saw me. Mm. And like, and everything about it, it wasn't just like how she looked. It wasn't just like the color of her skin and like how thick her hair looked and how, you know, she loved to sing and she was like immersed in nature and she was just connected to the land in such a beautiful way. And it was such a romanticized story. Ugh, yeah. When, when you learn about the reality, it, it's just like, it's like the Shika comparison, right? It's mm-hmm. like, ugh, you know, like I can't, like that wasn't right right and it's like and it's one of those things where I'm watching you know I'm watching the same thing that other Latinx folks are watching too and lots of our elders are watching and they're seeing the same message that I'm seeing they're seeing that women who look like me the only way they can succeed is if they use their sexual prowess or if they, you know, happen to attract somebody who has more. And that's been the narrative, right? Like since the Mm -hmm. fucking beginning. Yeah. Yeah, when you were talking about that, it reminds me right now, a couple years ago, they came out with uh, Siempre Bruja, and um, I'm not sure if that's exactly the, the... the title of the show on Netflix is a novela too. And it's the same kind of premise, like what you're talking about. But it's a time traveling witch. Hmm. Um, and it's the same thing. Like she um, fell in love with the, you know, Spaniard that, that you know, messed up the whole family, you know. Um, and her, and her, his parents ended up uh, burning her at the stake. Jesus. Yeah, and so I I watched the first season, but the second season I haven't watched it. Uh, it's the same thing. And and again, it's from Colombia. It's a, a Colombian novela. And again, even now, it's what that was like 2019, 2018, first novela that I've seen with an Afro Latina at the, you know. A star of the novela, oh. but then 
they have to make that, you know, connection like that. FYI, Chica came out in 96, I think. <laughs> so it's taken how long to get another Black protagonist in our novellas? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not like, um, like an like exaggerated stereotype, right? But that it's still exaggerated stereotype. Well, it's a it's it's a selective type of stereotype, right? Mm -hmm. It's like when I think about you know Latinidad and what you know the Latinx image is, I think of women who look like Sofia Vergara and mm -hmm. look like you know. The meme. <laughs> like, I, I forgot her name. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but like, yeah. there's a certain image of the Latina that is that has been deemed, you know, socially acceptable and the norm. And you know, she is going to be tall and the perfect shade of brown with long, beautiful hair, and you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't care. I can't even make up with the perfect yeah. that looks like because no, none of us are perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, but for some reason, our our culture has deemed that if you are tall, if you are slender, if you have lighter skin, or if your you know eyes are a certain color that are not brown, <laughs> um, yeah. like that is more beautiful. Yeah, like I said, like the. Like with um, you know, not to use them as an example again, like Aaron Diaz, like that was the first time I saw like, oh, these are like this guy looks like my friends, you know, but he has green eyes, he's like a nice, you know, huh? He's like a a browner skin tone, right? Then let's say like Sebastian Rudy, who's like Argentinian, and he has green eyes and really like bl like blonde hair and a oh, lighter complexion. Um, and then, but you, you know, they're lighter, light, lighter skin tone and green eyes. And the same thing with that. This is this actress called Sara Maldonado, Maldonado that's also in that novela I was talking to you about. And that's why I was like, oh, she kind of looks like me, but not really because she has that green eyes. You know, she's lighter, but not as light as all the protagonists we've seen before. And you know what's funny is that, like, as I'm listening to your perspective and as I'm also <laughs> reflecting on, like, what I've shared, I'm realizing that we, we put so much of ourselves into what we are watching. Like, the <laughs> fact that we can really sit here and, like, think about and analyze how many times, like, we haven't seen ourselves represented, yes. you know, and how, you know, how vastly different it is like to actually sit and realize like, oh shit, like this world isn't for me. The, no, the dolls no. that I play with, dude, I was obsessed with Barbie dolls when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I had so mm -hmm. many Barbie dolls and you know- Did any like, of them look like you? They didn't look like me, dude. One of the reasons I had an eating disorder was because of Barbie. Oh, <laughs> and of course, because, I mean, whew, that's another, that's a whole other conversation too, right? Yeah. Like eating disorders or mm -hmm. in the Latinx community. Oh my gosh. Um, 
but again that feeds in that for me was a big um, factor is like you know watching a lot of the really fun 90s shows like you know 90210 and um melrose place oh god all of these shows with these beautiful like you know rich or working class you know white people that are just doing their thing or like rich high school kids whatever that didn't look like you that did not look anything like me did not drive cars like my family drove cars or lived in houses that looked like my family's or my own Mm -hmm. house and um and you know and like seeing that those things are outside of my control, but I can control what I look like. And I want to look like that. I want to look like Kelly Kapowski, even though I have a completely different body type than mm-hmm. you know, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Um, and you remember her name. Of course I remember her name. Dude, you remember all of these novella people? Like, like we all do. You know who they are. Come on. <laughs> Please. But I, re- I remember Kelly Kapowski. I of course you do. Everybody remembers Kelly Kapowski. <laughs> but like you know and I think I'm kind of the same way because you know we've talked about this before and now as adults we realize like I can't look like her because I don't have the same body type like her but we grew up thinking like that's what that's what I want to look like yeah dude and like you know going back to anti-blackness and like Mm -hmm. especially Going back to internalized anti-blackness and racism, you know, like seeing all of these, you know, examples of beauty, examples of, you know, what is ideal, and then having this extra layer of, how do I explain this? You know, in the last episode, I, I talked about my sister and mm-hmm. how I always lived in her shadow. Um, and so that was another layer for me is, you know, I see all of these beautiful, you know, white passing women and the novelas and all of these beautiful, you know, rich white kids from 90210. And I look at my sister and I'm like, oh, she looks like one of them, you know, and not ever being able to live up to, you know, or even come close to resembling my sister. Like that's always been like a barrier for me, you know, wanting to be as thin as my sister, wanting to be as light skinned as my sister, wanting to have my hair as light as my sister's, you know, like all of these things that I would see glamorized on the screen, I was experiencing at home. And- <laughs> oh my God. So like, but it's encouraged and it's, you know, it's encouraged in our culture. It's like, you know. Yeah. And (laughs) like with Cirilo, like look how bad he was treated, you know, like, so then you kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, normalize it. Like it's okay. It's the expectation, right? It's like, you know what? It's okay. I don't have I th- to be the pretty one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be the black one. Yeah, and I don't have to be skinny. I don't have to be, <laughs> you know, and like that. Like we, I never saw myself in the novelas. That's what I watched all the time, right? I watched it all the time. Like I said, it wasn't until I saw Selena that I was like, she's curvaceous. 
she's my skin tone like did I realize like okay I'm being you know depicted in the media like that's me I wanna I wanna just like quickly you know circle mm-hmm. back to something that I just said that kind of struck a nerve um, yeah. when I said you know she can be the pretty one and I can just be the black one yeah. that in and of itself to me speaks so loudly to my internalized anti-blackness okay. oh yeah <laughs> in my, like wait why do those things have to be mutually exclusive you know oh. one and two like still feeling like you know like being a negrita is what you know sets me apart from everybody in my family so much so that that's what I'm known for Mm -hmm. and I'm known for being something less than and you internalize that shit Mm Yeah, it's the same thing with me. I'm the same. You know, in my family, I'm the same. But, like, imagine living your whole fucking life and, like, you know, being in this moment right now, dude, like, I've never thought about shit like this before. Mm-hmm. And it's really, like, it's been really hard. Yeah. Because, like, you think you know yourself. You think you know the world that you grew up around. But holy shit, dude, there's, like, this whole other layer to reality that, like, we just did not see. Or I did not see. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for me, it, it kind of works in multiple ways. And I'm going to bring, you know, intersectionality into this conversation as they are you know, always a part of it. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But like, you know, for myself, like realizing, you know, that I have, you know, CPTSD and ADHD and learning that I'm autistic, like that is a lot of change. And for me, it's like, the rug has been pulled out from under my feet and I don't know where I am. And in taking time to reflect on my childhood and to navigate all of this um, internalized racism and anti-blackness and self-hatred, like it makes so much sense where it comes from. And yeah, I, I don't know, like, it's a lot oh, man. you know as when we talk about that we know like I talked to you about my eating disorder and then I look back at that and it wasn't until I saw you know I love John Leguizamo mm-hmm. um, when I saw his you know I, I was lucky enough to see like um, his Latin American history for morons um, back in 2016 when he was kind of working on it so he was showing it to audiences and he was asking for feedback and stuff so was, I don't think it's on Netflix now it's, uh, you know 
the show, but highly recommend. Yes, and you know he's not perfect because there's a lot of like criticism and the stuff that he says. But um, when I watched it in 2016, it changed a lot now, like on Netflix. Um, he I don't know if it's still on there now. He said something about how he never saw himself on TV or in, you know, magazines or whatever, in the media. And so when people made fun of him, that he thought it was normal, that it was okay. So, and it was usually because of, you know, his skin complexion or that he was Hispanic. And he's he's Colombiano, Puerto Rican, you know. And he said that I never saw myself on TV or in the history books. And if I would have seen myself, my vision of myself would be so different. And I, it really stuck a nerve in me because I was like, that's me. Like, I, if I would have seen myself in novelas or in, you know, cartoons or whatever I watched as a kid, I wouldn't have this fucking eating disorder. I wouldn't feel like this. I wouldn't feel like um, the, you know, vision of beauty is like that westernized example, right? Because I don't have that. I, I'm not like that. I'm never going to be like that. And I didn't learn that until I was an adult. Like, I'm not going to have, you know, I have curves. I'm not going to be that way, no matter what my weight is. And yeah, like it's internalized, right? Like I didn't see that. And it's, you know, again, it's encouraged, it's generational. It's like, you know, you want to make sure that you stay fit so that you can find a man to marry you. But you also have to know how to cook really good food because, you know, the only way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which, like, well, you know, first of all, who told you I wanted to get married? Which I have said before, Claire. Seriously. <laughs> I, I am married, but both my husband and I say it's uh, overrated. <laughs> we love it, but it's overrated. And a lot of this, and so I don't know, like I keep wanting to go back to it because. Mm -hmm. um, like a lot of it is because we have been conditioned since the beginning that our bodies are not good enough. Yeah. Our brown, black bodies are not, you know, the colonizers ideal. And we know this because of everything that colonizers in Central America and in the US. Mm -hmm. um, everything they did to repress women, especially enslaved women, especially black women, hiding your hair, hiding how you dress and at the same time violating you in every way possible, completely dehumanizing you. So that generations later, you are still seen as something less than mm -hmm. 
And so you don't have the same opportunities as, you know, other women around you, women who are lighter than you. So much so that when it comes to casting, you know, actors for a novella, you're not going to see somebody that looks like you. And if yeah. you do, and if you do, they're probably the bad guy. <laughs> Remember we were just talking about this. I was like, what the heck? Oh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico with Johnny Depp, Antonio Banderas, I think Danny Trejo was in it, um, and William Dafoe. Remember I shared the picture? I Willem like, Dafoe in... Yeah. I like... He Inappropriate was in... makeup. Yes. Him look like a Latinx. And I remember watching this in the movie theater with my parents. You know, they would always take me to like a two-for-one movie in Huntington mm-hmm. Park. And we watched it. I remember thinking like, that's the guy that's in... Was he already in Spider-Man by then? Oh, maybe. And I remember, like, that's... I know this actor. He's white. (laughs) Why is he in brown face, you know? Uh, Nobody brings that up. Mm. Why? Because remember how I I was telling you about the uh, novela Lola, Erasa Naves? Um, that actress, she recently got scrutinized because of that, you know, she had a black face on. Hmm. And she's dating some young actor and somebody told this actor, I don't, I don't remember what his name is, like, oh, you shouldn't be dating racist because she did blackface in this novella when she was 15. So she spoke out and said, I didn't have a choice. I was 15 years old. Um, but everybody brings that up and not William Defoe. Like, is it because she's a woman? No, it's because William Defoe's a white man in Hollywood. <laughs> Some of them can get away with stuff. <sighs> Most of them, I should say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Harvey Weinstein, though. Yeah. But a lot of other men that are coming out right now, you know. But I digress. But that's, you know, like, and like that, like, you know, like, what, and it's like, why, why can't you get a Latinx actor? Someone who looks like me. We know why. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about it all the time. I know. It doesn't feel good, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not liking this conversation. I know how this is making me feel and what it's making me think about. And um, how would you describe these observations, Mello? Like, what comes yeah. up for you? Well, like last podcast that we did, I I sobbed like a baby, you know. <laughs> <laughs> while you were doing your intro too, like, I was just like, ah, like, yeah, it's all internalized, you know? We become that, the other. I don't, and then, um, 
I was talking to my friend. I don't even like saying this word, but you know, like the June bugs. Um, mm-hmm. Right, they're called ronrons, but for the longest time, I thought that they were called another word that is a derogatory term for an African-American. And I said, oh, there's, you know, I was just, there was, the, the June bug was in, it's like a darker insect. And the June bug was flying around. And I told my friend, and I said it in Spanish, this word that I thought it was called. She's like, oh, that's a, that's a racist term. I was like, what? I didn't know that. Like, yeah, that's a racist term. I'm like, why would they call this bug that? She straight up told me because it's darker. Like, so this whole time I was, you know, I'm a translator and everything. Like, I was calling it this word internalized anti blackness, right? Thank you feel so bad. And it's so upsetting to know and to realize that we are unknowingly perpetuating that. And like even now, like even with things that aren't so, um, you know, hidden, I guess, hidden's not the right word, but, you know, like something that's not more obvious, Mm -hmm. um, and people still do it, like, you know, dropping the N-word while they're singing a song. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, not okay. And even, like, now, they were talking about this stuff what we saw growing up, right? Novelas Mm -hmm. and stuff. Has there been any change? You know, so we don't watch novelas, but I will say that, and I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, so I've been watching Pose, which is oh. fantastic. I highly recommend it to everybody. It's on Netflix, um, and it's about the um, ballroom culture in 1980s New York, and it centers, like, the entire, like, main cast are people of color and are you know lgbtq specifically trans so it's a show of you know that is featuring not only people that look like me but people who live in a city that looks like my city who are experiencing things that i've you know whether i've experienced directly or have like you know, experience with a friend or a partner or a family member, like all of these wonderful, beautiful and painful intersecting stories, you know, that come together that I would have never seen 20 years ago. You know, I cannot think about seeing like, and if I ever did see this 20 years ago, it wouldn't be in the same light because pose you know if i were to say uh, if i were to have said melody back in 1997 or something Mm -hmm. like i'm watching this show about you know 
couple of transgender people who go to clubs and dress up and do shows like you would probably think that's a comedy you know like because the perception like of the perception and conversation of sexuality in the 90s when we were growing up was still incredibly oppressive and heteronormative Mm -hmm. and you know watching the show realizing that oh shit you know some of this was happening right when I was born some of this was happening when I was a child dude I was talking to my high school substitute teacher that I just like reached out to on the random okay I (laughs) met this person when I was in like ninth or tenth grade okay and we were talking about the um, Gay Straight Alliance Club that he and a couple of other teachers started at our school. It was the first time. And he said, I never would have thought then that we would be where we are now. I never would have thought that uh. I would have equal rights. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh. This was my, I was a fucking teenager. You know, and like, then, you know, he couldn't marry his partner if he wanted to back then, Mm -hmm. let alone have a show that like represents a multitude of people with multitudes of experiences that are, you know, the counter narrative to what we see on TV or what we grew up seeing. Like, it blows my mind. And like, Jason doesn't understand why, like, I love this show. Like, he sees it and it's like, oh, this is like a drama then. I'm like, yeah. And, like, it's an opportunity to, you know, understand and see a different perspective. See a perspective of people of color. See a perspective of Black and trans, you know, women who have to, you know, do what they need to do to survive in the 80s in the height of the AIDS epidemic. Like, oh, my God. It is just so... Oh, it's a great show. <laughs> you just gotta watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's crazy how time is like that, you know? Like, we think about these injustices that have been going on for centuries, you know, for lifetimes and generations, and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, we were just talking about Dave Chappelle, right? Mm-hmm. 846. Yes, 846 is on YouTube. If you haven't watched it, please watch it. Yes. Um, yes. Um, and we were just talking about, you know, about his, is a great-grandfather mm-hmm. that was a slave. He was enslaved, and he, I, I don't want to, like, I'm not going to give all the details, but I think everybody should watch it. And if they don't watch it, that's okay. Send us a DM and I'll, I'll catch you up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like your great grandfather, you know. Like, and what did I tell you? I said, I would think that it would, you know, it would be his great, 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 great grandfather. They don't know. No. They don't know. <sighs> the same can be said. Well, not the same, but like when we're looking at a timeline, you know, thinking about, you know, LGBTQ rights, how, you know, 20 years ago, 
the right to marry whomever you wanted to marry was not that was not possible for mm-hmm. you know same sorry I can't speak I'm just like so emotional I know <laughs> and that's that's what I was just thinking right now as you're saying that it's like it's like so recent but you think it's so far so well, why are we still beating so why are we like you know there's so so much inequality still oh yeah nothing has really changed no and I mean, there's been a lot of change and a lot of progress and it's moving in such a way that is making it feel like it's just been infinite. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, no, these are, you know, these are battles that we have been fighting and we'll continue to fight until we have to no longer do it. Yeah. And fuck, dude. You gotta watch that Dave Chappelle. If you're you're you have to, listen, you have to watch I it. Know, I'm like tripping out on Dave Chappelle's show right now. And like this whole like timeline thing has just been really I don't know, like he says so many things that just it, you know, like as I was saying, you know, we're talking about like, I don't know if you asked me or anything, but do you still see, you know, examples of anti-blackness on TV or like in Latin America? Yes, please, of course. And sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is like, uh, it's so upsetting because. You know, recently Univision, Telemundo were like under fire about how they were uh, depicting the protests, mm. and, you know, on television. And our parents are seeing this. And grandparents. Grandparents. And like, because you know, I don't watch the news anymore. So, um, you know, and so my mom was getting like these ideas. I'm like, no, mom, my brother and I, my brother was saying the same thing. Like, no. Um, and then even my friend, she's telling my, uh, her, her mom, don't watch it because they're depicting the whole thing in it, you know, it's like out of control. Yeah. Um, they're falling into that, you know, Western American narrative where, you know, these protesters are rioting and looting and are destroying everything, but they're not telling you why and what led to this they're not explaining the horrible injustices they don't really talk about george floyd Mm -hmm. until you know it oh my gosh do you remember did you see all of the outrage that came um from mexico oh my gosh um there was a police murder in mexico and the way that the Mexican media was um, spinning it was as, you know, they were calling the victim the, you know, George Floyd of Mexico. Mm. And so there was like a lot of backlash, understandably and rightfully fucking so. Yeah. Um, and I think that speaks a lot to 
the erasure that comes from our culture, from the Latinx community, specifically towards Central Americans, um, it's that, you know, wanting to wash la cultura so it looks a certain way. And Mm -hmm. so, God, I know this is all sounding so terrible, my goodness, but (laughs) I'm just like processing out loud. So bear with me. Um, But it's like, okay, as a Central American, as a Salvadoreña living in diaspora, Mexico, I see you. I've seen you my whole life. I know that there are awful injustices happening there. I know that your people suffer just like my people suffer here and in El Salvador. (laughs) And so when you see the pain that we as a country, we as a people are trying to, you know, like work through, you feel the need to exploit that and bring the attention to yourself huh instead of letting George Floyd keep his name letting him be his own story and not a preface to somebody else's story mm-hmm. you know and I feel like we see a lot of that in general within la cultura, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to remember his name. I can't right now. Um, but also it's like three in the morning. So there's a lot of things I'm not gonna remember. Um, but yeah. Homeboy and Gardena was 18 years old. Is it Elijah? No, oh, I don't wanna talk about Elijah. That one really hurts me. Yeah. Um, no, I want to say his name is Andres. I should know because, like, I've been like. You're looking at it. Yeah, a lot. Um. Anyway, so homeboy was shot by the police. He was 18 years old. He was just a baby dude, and he was Salvadorian. But when the media was spinning his story they described him as a mexican what so, that's, a, that's a whole nother conversation we need to have well and yes and it's very mm-hmm. much a part of this conversation which is mm-hmm. what i'm getting at you know it's like the erasure of our people the erasure yeah. of central america the erasure of you know blackness george floyd you know like It's just such a terrible, vicious cycle, you know, like, we're, we're learning it from our oppressors. We've learned it from our oppressors and we're perpetuating the same tactics, you know, like we are, you know, erasing each other, putting ourselves against each other, you know pushing each other down when we should be, you know, lifting each other up. Mm-hmm. I 
Mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm all sorts of emotional and I don't, I have a lot of reflecting to do. This conversation has really opened up a lot of stuff for me. Um, not quite know how to process it. Um, but I want to thank you folks and um, always Melody for just being the greatest thing that's ever happened to me after my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm gonna go drink some water and cry because this is just this is fucking stupid. Yeah. It's a- Fuck racism and anti-blackness. Um, Fuck colonizers. I just... Yeah. There's like so many emotions that we have and you know talks like these do just bring up all these things that you just didn't know you had inside but I think that's the best part right it makes you think it makes us uncomfortable and it makes us mm-hmm. aware and it brings us closer to you know the truth yeah to the justice that we need and (sighs) that's how we'll get better and the timer's running out i don't want this to cut off i know i want to say like watch pose watch watch watch, uh john leguizamo's um latin history history (laughs) more Dave Chappelle's 846. It's on YouTube, y'all. It's on YouTube. Is Pose on Netflix? Pose is on Netflix, yes. Don Lewis almost should be on Netflix. Yes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And thank you for listening with us today. Adios. Thank you again for joining us today. Follow us on Instagram for updates and more on intersectionality underscore in underscore diaspora. We leave you with the words of the great Audrey Lord. I have come to believe over and over again that what is most important to me must be spoken, made verbal, and shared, even at the risk of having it bruised or misunderstood. With love, gratitude, and hope, Glada and Melo signing off.